Hi, this is Dr. Mike Chupp, and you are listening to CMDA Matters, the weekly podcast of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. We've titled this week's episode, The Malpractice Threat. The very real threat of malpractice in today's environment of patient care is, well, it's sobering. For me personally, it brings back some rather painful memories from 28 plus years of patient care, including being named in a case even as a first year resident, a case that I frankly never would have dreamed could happen because of the gratitude of the patient's family in the midst of her suffering. Well, the lawyers eventually dropped my name from the case, but it was a very early career wake-up call that the threat of malpractice litigation is real and present. The malpractice threat is as real today for Christians in healthcare as it was for me 35 years ago, and that's why we're discussing it today on the podcast. The AMA recently reported that one in three physicians has been sued, and by the age of 55, one in two will have been hit with a lawsuit. The AMA also suggests that over 80% of surgeons in all specialties report having been sued, and orthopedic surgeons and neurosurgeons in particular. Some studies show 99 plus percent will be sued during their careers. I hope you'll keep listening to learn more about how CMDA, especially our malpractice ministry, can help you if and when you find yourself in the middle of such a case. Well, today on CMDA Matters, it is an immense privilege for me, together with uh, Pastor Burt Jones, uh, the director of our Center for Wellbeing that supports a medical malpractice ministry, to have done a lot of research and to find an individual an attorney that we think has a whole lot to share with our listeners, all of you out there who are healthcare professionals and Christians and who face the risk of or have had the experience of being sued in your practice. Today with us is uh, Jimmy Miller. Uh, She has 35 years of experience as a trial lawyer with over 200 jury trials uh, that she has um, been a part of. She routinely defends uh, medical malpractice cases in both state and federal courts for hospitals, physicians, nursing homes, and other medical providers. One of her distinctives is that she is the 2018-2019 chair of the Tennessee Board of Professional Responsibility, a position that actually is appointed by the Tennessee Supreme Court. She's also a past president of the Tennessee Board of Law Examiners. So, Jimmy Miller, thank you for taking the time out of your schedule today to join Bert and myself on CMDA Matters. Well, thank you for asking me to participate. I'm I'm pleased to be here. Well, for our listeners, uh, her bio is much longer than what I just shared, so we'll have that in our show notes today for all the other things that you're involved with. I wanted to give an opportunity for you at the very outset, Jimmy, to give a short disclaimer. I, our listeners aren't going to be surprised that an attorney who's going to be talking with us today wants to give a short understanding of the answers you're going to give us today. Thank you. Thank you. So I liken the practice of law to the practice of medicine. Every situation is in medicine is patient specific, and the same is true for the practice of law. So I am pleased to respond to your questions, but I would not want any of your listeners to 
interpret my responses as legal advice in any given situation. We will keep that in mind for sure over the next half an hour or so. Well, I I have, over the course of a 28-year career of my own, received four such notices, but what is your recommendation? Uh, What should be the first thing that any of our listeners should do when they receive notice that uh, they've been named in a lawsuit? My recommendation is that they immediately call their professional liability insurance carrier and find out how to, whether it's email or fax, but to get a copy of that to their insurance carrier. So that's the first thing. And one of the things they should not do is immediately go to the record, particularly if it's an electronic medical record, and access the record. That They will have the opportunity to do that, but um, given that there is audit trails reveal every time a medical record is accessed, they're better off staying out of the record until they have assistance of counsel. Wow. Good. Thank you. Jimmy, as we have uh, people who contact us here at the uh, CMDA and our medical malpractice ministry, there's a ton of emotions that uh, kind of come to these people going through lawsuits. Uh, one thing we hear most often from people is we, we offer to help, but they say they've been told by their attorneys they can't talk to anybody. Uh, what would you say to that? Is that does that include church friends? Does it include a ministry like CMDA uh, that we want to be there to help them through this emotional support? So I do generally give, I mean, I, I tell a physician, he or she, that they are free to certainly tell their spouse that there has been um, either a notice of a claim or a lawsuit filed. So I'm not one of the lawyers who say you can't tell, you know, you can't even discuss this with your spouse. I do recommend that they not discuss it with their colleagues at this point in time, because in most cases, physicians, dentists are at some point along the way, their deposition is taken. And they'll be asked, who have you discussed this case with? I had a deposition last week where I've spent a lot of time with a, um, it's a very specific provider or specialty. And I just think they're better served to be able to say, I have not talked to my colleagues about it. Now, in terms of, you know, where does the support come from? There are some sources, uh, resources, and Insurance companies generally have resources available. And I think in terms of church and, you know, fellow Christians, at least at the beginning, better to say, you know, I have an unspoken prayer request. And it might be that your ministry, you, I, I read from your website that you have um, a medical malpractice ministry. So in Tennessee now, we, we, we avoid the phrase medical malpractice. The legislature actually changed the law and it's the Tennessee Healthcare Viability Act. So we talk about it in terms of being a healthcare case. But, you know, for, for those who we get to know each other, you know, I, I certainly encourage them to lean into their faith. And, you know, and then I have clients who come to me and they say, well, Jimmy, I've turned it over to you and the Lord, and, uh, you know, I'm going to do my best not to think about it, not to dwell on it. I'll admit every time I see your phone number show up on my mobile phone, my heart beats a little quicker. But um, (laughs) I I just think there are some risk, you know, and, and 
there are certain privileges. There's a spousal privilege. There's a privilege with the provider being the patient and there being a therapist or other, you know, mental health provider. I think those engagements between the insurance company and the provider in a Tennessee, and I'm sure other jurisdictions have a, um, the Tennessee Medical Foundation, and they offer services similar to what it sounds like CMDA has. So Yeah, I was thinking about this this morning, Jimmy, and I fully understand why that is your recommendation to your clients. I will have, I was thinking about this, you may not like this analogy, but, you know, just like, like with the lockdowns that we face in the pandemic and the isolation and the consequences that we have seen, Isolating physicians who are, and I went through this myself two or three times, the isolation that I felt was very, very difficult for me and, and a downer. So our, our members of our medical malpractice ministry are themselves physicians, dentists who have been through this, and they don't ask for details, of course. And the big thing that we offer that the other resources, which are fine resources you've mentioned, is a colleague who understands, who's a fellow believer, and who will take them before the throne of God, uh, the throne of grace on their behalf. And so we'll get into that a little bit later with Bert about our medical malpractice ministry. But I I was thinking about the whole concept of a lockdown, maybe a legal lockdown (laughs) and not getting to talk to anybody. And I understand it. Hey, I only got to this point in time in one of my four cases, and I must admit it was was a little bit of a quandary. So your client and you are talking and uh, one of our listeners has an attorney who wants to settle a case. And that particular physician or dentist really doesn't feel it's right to settle because they have justification. What do they do now? What would you advise against uh, moving ahead, even though their their attorney doesn't want them to? You know, I think that you just have to have a very candid conversation with a lawyer and with your insurance company. And if you're working for a healthcare system, the hospital leadership, so that everybody is on the same page. Again, my experience has been that sometimes I have the opposite situation where the provider wants to settle and the insurance company thinks, you know, we can prevail in this case. And I have a little spiel that I give providers at the front end, I think sort of, and you can maybe speak to this in your past experiences, but, you know, expectations kind of measure how satisfied someone is at the end of the case. Mm -hmm. And so speedy justice is a myth. And I tell my clients on the front end, if you think this is going to be over in six months or 12 months, or maybe not even two years, you know, you need to disavow yourself of that notion. And then I also tell them that statistically speaking, most cases that are filed go away without any payment. So, The odds are in their favor, if you will. Mm -hmm. And then I tell them that that the next largest category are those cases that are settled. And hopefully they have one of those insurance policies that requires their consent. And I tell them only a fraction of the cases are actually tried. But at least in our jurisdiction in Tennessee, the defense wins greater than 70 percent of those cases, as it should be, as it should be. From my perspective, I mean, if, if you go to trial, then you feel good about your defense and the defense should win most of those cases. And they do. So that's a message that's true that I think helps physicians 
kind of know what's ahead of them. Well, Jimmy Burton, I would like to just put a few scenarios past you and just to get your advice uh, for our listeners. So one would be uh, very common. I'm moving to another state. I'm applying for a license, a medical license to practice in that state. And that state wants to inquire about a malpractice case that I had in the state I'm currently in or another state. What do I do next? You absolutely have to disclose that. And you have to realize that, let's say you settled a case in Tennessee and you're applying for a Virginia license. That settlement has already been reported to the National Practitioner Data Bank and they're going to learn about that anyway. So you absolutely need to be truthful. And generally, if you, you know, it's been a long time or you don't remember the details, you know, I get inquiries from clients all the time who say, hey, remember we had that case, you know, a dozen years ago? And we try to make a very generic description of the case. You know, it was a, a birth injury case that, you know, resulted in, you know, something very just kind of a couple of words about the nature of the case. And then hopefully, you know, where they're applying won't inquire further. But if they do, and, and you know, we offer that as a service to past clients without fee because they do want to get it right on the, you know, move into another state. Jimmy, here's another uh, scenario. A doctor receives uh, a letter, the initial letter, from their medical board about a patient complaint. What do they do with that? Do they answer that themselves? Do they get legal counsel at that point? What, what would you recommend when they first receive that uh, first letter? Unfortunately, sometimes it's not even a letter. It's a phone call mm-hmm. or a state investigator shows up the physician's office and wants to speak with her or him. And my recommendation is that they do seek legal counsel. It's a small price to pay. I will tell you, you know, and I have a little bit of bias, I guess, but I think that the the investigations and the investigators are much more active than they used to be. And, you know, again, this spans nearly a 40 year career, but I believe that the number of investigations have risen. You know, I think that ultimately the medical board gets it right. But just this year, it's only June, and I've had three formal hearings and four clients where our client had to travel to Nashville and uh, personally appear before a formal board. And, you know, knock on wood, I believe the board ultimately gets it right, but they, they're a little bit like the IRS. You know, when there's an investigation, they sort of make an offer to a provider that, okay, this is what we're suggesting. And if you sign it, this will be the end of it. But it's still you know, will result, you know, they, they can only report that which is public. And I, I don't know, I think, it, like I say, it's a little like the IRS, pay us this much, or we're going to seek this much more penalties. And I find that to be a, a pretty less than candid approach to it. So yeah, the short answer to the question is, yes, call a lawyer. Don't talk to the investigator without a lawyer present, because they don't record that conversation. And then what gets sent to the state is a summary by the investigator who may or may not have understood the circumstances. Well, some great advice. Thank you, Jimmy. You know, last week we had a terrible tragedy in the state of Tennessee in in Memphis. A beloved hand surgeon who practiced a number of years was killed by a patient who walked in with a gun. And still details are being worked out on what actually happened there and the motive behind that killing. But so 
one of our listeners, a, a healthcare professional, is being stalked or threatened by a patient, what should they do? I think they should call the police. Mm. I think that is absolutely the right thing to do. And, you know, it's not okay just because you're a patient to stalk or harass your provider. And, and my advice is on the front end, call the police. I think that, you know, unfortunately, our society has a lot of folks who are, you know, unstable. I don't, you know, you, you'd know better than I emotionally, mentally, however you want to put that. But I think you engage law enforcement at yeah. the first sign that you're being harassed or stalked or threatened. I think this may be more common than what most people, including healthcare professionals, realize. Uh, I was just in my third year practice, and if it wasn't for a bartender responding to a threat by one of his uh, patrons who was drunk that he was going to go to the hospital and kill this surgeon, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, that that man, uh, they called the police. That man was on his way into the hospital when the police stopped him with a gun in his hand, and I was the surgeon that he had mentioned. So we pray we, we need to face every day as healthcare professionals as we interact with people and as mental health deteriorates in our country. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm concerned that we will have more and more cases like the Memphis hand surgeon last week. Jimmy, we're seeing a, a uh, growing trend in the uh, medical malpractice ministry here at CMDA not just phone calls for people who are being sued over something that they did, but people calling in because they've been wrongfully terminated. They feel they've been wrongfully terminated for something. They had a, a position that they wouldn't do. We're seeing more and more. What What's your advice to someone who feels like they've been wrongfully terminated for a position that they hold? I probably won't surprise you with this answer either, but I, I think you consult an attorney. There are laws that prohibit termination for doing the right thing. There are laws that prohibit termination for disclosing, you know, some wrongful action. And, you know, again, our firm typically tends to be on the defense side of that. But, you know, but there are instances that certainly require a mediator to try to right the ship and try to clear the provider's reputation. Again, it's rare that a an employee wants to go back into a situation that's, you know, become hostile or whatever, but, you know, to, to get some relief or, you know, a change in, in the message about the termination. So, you know, it does happen and, and we get those calls. And I think even, even when you're threatened, better to engage counsel then so that, you know, there might be an opportunity to work out the circumstances of the termination so that when the provider seeks new employment, he or she doesn't have to say, well, yes, I was let go. Work out on the front end what what the message will be going forward. There's not a lot that a provider can do on her own without the assistance of counsel. Mm-hmm. And like all things, it's generally not a one-sided scenario. You know, there's kind of two sides to it and, and you know, hopefully the lawyer can fare it through. What is the real issue? What is, I don't know, the pretense, if you will, for, and is there a pretense? Is, is, the, is the provider, I said, is the provider being treated differently than others? And if that's the case, what's the real reason? Right. 
One of the privileges I have here at the CMDA is not only overseeing the Center for Wellbeing, but over missions as well. And uh, I had a question about the idea of missions, because we're encouraging, we're passionate about our members serving on mission, whether that's domestically or internationally. Do you have any advice for uh, our members who are serving in kind of healthcare, local missions, or abroad, and kind of protecting themselves from any kind of suits that might transpire? So I think that, you know, for those who have malpractice coverage, they might reach out to their carrier just to know on the front end, hey, if something happened outside the United States, you know, what will be the consequences? And, you know, I, I know a lot of physicians and dentists who are engaged in mission work, who do it a part, as a part of a affiliation with a Christian organization. And, you know, the good news is there's rarely I'm not sure I can think of a single instance where, you know, something that happened while they were on a mission trip resulted in a claim. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even even my own case overseas, uh, Jimmy, while I was named, none of the short-term physicians <laughs> who uh, had their names on the chart were, were named. They came after me because I was a resident in Kenya. So I, I, I affirm what you just shared. I want to just take a moment to ask, uh, Bert, you a couple questions about in particular, and uh, Jimmy, thank you for listening on this, and feel free to make any comments about uh, our discussion, but how can our members get in touch? You know, formerly this commission that was Medical Malpractice Ministry has morphed into an advisory council, and those who were there on that commission, formerly many of them are so passionate about helping Mm -hmm. their colleagues, they wanted to stay on. So how can our listeners get in touch with you and with these, uh, these other members? It's a great question, Mike. And we've tried to make this as simple as possible for people to reach out to us and, and get a hold of us. Uh, you can go to cmda.org slash wellbeing. If you go to our wellbeing page, there's some buttons there at the bottom, and there's a malpractice button there. If you click that, or you can just Google uh, CMDA malpractice, and it will take you to that same page. But there's a big button there at the bottom called uh, Want to Connect. And so anytime, day or night, uh, someone goes to that website, even if, even if our offices are closed on a weekend, they can click that button and uh, that, they can fill out that form with the best way to contact them, whether it's text, a phone call, or email. And it comes directly to several of us, and we get those and we respond to those as quickly as we can. So uh, it's, it's real simple. Just go to our website, click the malpractice, and then want to connect button, and that will bring us – be able to connect with them uh, personally. And then when you connect them one-on-one to an appropriate member, uh, one of the other physicians or a dentist, I mean, it's not as if they just have an interest in this. They themselves have been through that valley. And it makes me think how Paul said, the God of all comfort, Mm -hmm. who comforts us in all of our troubles so we can comfort those in any trouble. And that trouble, of course, is medical malpractice. Yeah, there's a couple things we do initially on that first phone call when we reach out to someone after they've filled out the form. We call and we pray with them. It's usually someone like myself. I I serve as a pastor. Mm -hmm. We make it clear we're not offering legal advice. Sometimes people contact us and they want legal advice, and we have to say that's not what this is about. We don't (laughs) offer legal advice, but we're there for the spiritual and emotional support, and we link them up. And I think this is the key. When you you reach out to CMDA, there's the prayer support. There's someone who's there to listen. We're not going to discuss the case with them, the details of the case. But talk about the emotional side, the struggles that they're going through. And just you know that there's a competent person on the other end of the phone listening who's been through it. Our members of this commission have uh, – this advisory group have been through it, and they know the pain 
and the emotions that, that, that are associated with malpractice. Thank you, Bert. You know, Jimmy, I'm just wondering the history over the last maybe five or 10 years in terms of the volume. I, it seems like we'll always have mal, malpractice or healthcare liability cases, as you mentioned earlier. Are there some changes, some legislative changes, whether on a statewide or federal basis, that have made this less common or wisdom on the part of healthcare professionals that have made these lawsuits less common? What's the current situation? So there's some good news and bad news. The good news is that at least in Tennessee, the number of healthcare liability malpractice cases that are filed has actually declined. Hmm. And I think that, you know, Tennessee has some pretty favorable legislation, some laws that have been passed. And I think there are fewer lawyers that, you know, choose to, to take these kinds of cases. I've already mentioned the length of them and they're also expensive. So that's the good news that there are fewer cases. The bad news is the cases that are filed are generally cases where there are pretty significant injuries alleged. And then I'll close with uh, this answer. Again, if you look at the statistics, and I think this is true in other jurisdictions, but of the cases that are actually tried, and it takes, you know, it takes the physician being willing, it takes the insurance company being willing, it takes good experts, but the numbers are pretty, um, you know, they're, I said greater than 70%. I think the last few years that numbers are available, you know, it might even be closer to 80%. And, you know, physicians, I think what goes with that emotion is how is this going to impact the provider financially? How is it going to impact his or her stature as a professional in their community? And then the other thing is providers are in your profession because they want to help people. And so, you know, the idea that somebody thinks, you know, that they were harmed, you know, there is a wide array of emotions. And, you know, I probably tell them some of, you know, um, and, and sometimes I have providers who want to, to pray, and I am I am pleased to do that. I'm I'm honored that they they ask me, and you know it's like a lot of other challenges in life. Hopefully, we'll achieve a favorable outcome. And the worst thing that happens is we do not. But God is with them to give them some peace through the process, and and that's true. And a lot of other life's challenges. So, well, Jimmy, life is not always fair, and healthcare practice is not always fair. I was telling Bert earlier this morning, the very first time I got named, I was just a second-year resident on a case and a woman who had a stroke after surgery. And on that case, I actually, a week after I had taken care of her on call, the family sent me a thank you card. I mean, in the midst of all their grief and struggle with their mom, they sent me a thank you card for how I'd gone above and beyond the call of duty. Six weeks or eight weeks later, I get notified that I've been named with the attending and other doctors on the case in a lawsuit. So systems aren't always fair. People can be, mm-hmm. and people can be compassionate. But but our health, our legal system may, the way things are done, processes may not be fair. We agree with that. <laughs> Unfortunately, I have to. I do agree with that. Yeah. 
Well, as we close, uh, our, both of our professions, law and medicine, we find ways in Scripture to, because we want to imitate Christ and we want to be like our Savior. And you know, we, our listeners like to think about being healers like the great physician. And you, as, especially as a follower of Christ and your colleagues who are believers, look to all the Scriptures. Um, Jesus uses the word counselor for the Holy Spirit, but also some translations say advocate, and both are great terms, I'm sure you would agree, with referring to uh, attorneys who help us. And I wanted to close uh, our discussion with you with a passage of Scripture from uh, the beloved Apostle John, who in 2 John, uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. So you won't have any, any complications or mistakes like in, in healthcare. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. And so thank you for imitating Christ in your practice over 35 plus years and, and defending many of our colleagues here in eastern Tennessee. You have an incredible reputation. Uh, when I went to a, a good friend who is a CEO here in the hospital system recently, with the desire that Bert and I had mm-hmm. um, to interview someone like yourself to get some a good discussion. Your name was the first on his lips. So thank you for your service in East Tennessee. I am honored to uh, be invited and to participate in this. And I applaud your mission and I'm glad there are organizations like yours. And I do think the word needs to, you know, the. Um, you know, that it would be helpful for, for providers. And I'm, I'm glad for this experience. So going forward, I can, you know, share with the clients that find themselves in my office to say, here's a ministry that you might want to thank you up with. So again, thank you. Well, this conversation with both Jimmy and Bert today reminded me of many conversations that I've had over the last 30 plus years with exceptional doctors who had their own setbacks and practice low points related to malpractice litigation. This type of lawsuit will certainly put added stress on any healthcare professional's family and their career, not to mention their emotional and their spiritual well-being. The effects can be so profound, maybe even more so for some Christians in practice who set the bar really high in caring in Christ's name. That's why I'm so thankful that CMDA's medical malpractice ministry is here for Christ followers in healthcare, to help intercede in prayer, as you heard, to offer educational resources, as well as to be a source of encouragement. And it's even better because the volunteers who help the medical malpractice ministry They're all healthcare professionals who've faced malpractice suits themselves. If you're currently in the midst of a malpractice case and you haven't yet reached out, will you take the time to do so today? If you have a colleague that you know is struggling in the middle of this kind of litigation, would you take the time to tell them about this ministry at CMDA? The easiest way to connect is just to visit cmda.org slash MMM, standing for Medical Malpractice Ministry. And if you are bearing this burden and feeling the weight of your malpractice case, I know that the physicians and dentists who serve with our CMDA Medical Malpractice Ministry would echo 
what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian believers, and I mentioned it during the interview today, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us, yes, us who've faced malpractice in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. CMDA's Center for Well-Being helps Christian healthcare professionals align with God, optimize well-being, and maximize influence. If you find yourself feeling burned out and overwhelmed by your daily demands, please reach out to our team in the Center for Well-Being. After all, you pour yourself out for others every day, and this is a place to be refilled. Plus, we've been expanding our services in the Center to help meet the great needs CMDA members have. You can sign up for certified coaching training courses that prepare you with the skills for coaching those in your sphere of influence. And our team can even help you walk through the difficult challenge of facing a malpractice lawsuit. Plus, we offer marriage enrichment weekends and retreats for our members to refresh and restore their marriages. Our team members have been where you are, and we want to help you through the challenges you face. Visit cmda.org slash well-being to learn more. Well, at CMDA, we are constantly trying to produce resources that will help Christian healthcare professionals to thrive. Whether that is medical malpractice ministry or our Center for Well-Being or our campus and community ministries. Do you have a friend or colleague who would benefit from becoming a part of CMDA? I encourage you to share this podcast with them because your personal invitation to join this community of believers, it could make a huge difference for their personal journey through healthcare. If you have questions about how to join CMDA or want to share the link with a friend or colleague, be sure to visit cmda.org join. Have you heard about CMDA Placement Services? It is a recruiting service that brings together healthcare professionals of like-minded faith to further God's kingdom. Through this service, we assist practices searching to hire Christian healthcare professionals, as well as healthcare professionals searching to join a Christian practice. We have a number of opportunities across the U.S., and the information is constantly updated on our website. Our service is free to healthcare professionals seeking a position, and our experienced placement specialists are happy to assist with your search as you seek the Lord's direction. For more information about CMDA placement services, visit cmda.org placement. I think that we've got a great program lined up for next week's episode. I'm going to be joined by two young CMDA leaders named Ray, who's a first-year family medicine resident, and Rachel, a third-year student. And both of these women experienced firsthand this past summer the nation of Israel in a program called Passages Israel. They joined 38 other CMDA student leaders 
and staff from our campus and community ministries on the pilgrimage of a lifetime. I hope you'll come back and listen in. As always, if you want to suggest a future guest for the podcast, you can email us at cmdamatters at cmda.org. And if you like our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating and share us on your favorite social media platform. Our guest today, attorney Jimmy Miller, she reminded us that God is with us to give us peace through this process. I trust that you believe that the God of peace will indeed be with you to the core of your being, no matter the trial of a malpractice lawsuit. Through it all, God is there to give us some peace through that process. As we close today, I want to pray specifically for our brothers and sisters in healthcare who are actively facing litigation this fall. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would be the great comforter, the great advocate and counselor for those who are listening and those in the network of those listening who are facing unexpected trials because of lawsuits. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that uh, with the humility and the mind of Christ, that they would face their future, that they would be led as needed to reach out to those in our CMDA ministry, to pray with them and encourage them, to walk with them, and that, Lord, that they would see you at work during this fog, during a time in which they are not sure what the future holds, that you would be their peace and their assurance. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you will feel the presence and peace of God throughout the coming days and weeks, no matter the trial. CMDA is here with you, too, to help you find that peace and to be an encouragement as well as a listening ear. And through resources like the Medical Malpractice Ministry and our Center for Wellbeing, we are here to help you, friends, bring the hope and healing of Christ to our world today. That's what matters to CMDA, and CMDA matters. We'll see you next week, God willing. This podcast has been a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. CMDA is a nonpartisan organization that does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on this podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members and are not intended to imply endorsement of any political party or candidate.